0: One thing going into these births was that I wanted to be prepared for everything, but then not be set on anything. You know, a lot that. of people would ask me like, oh, are you going to have a water birth? I would say, well, I'm going to have a pool and a tub. And if I happen to give birth in the water, then <laughs> yep, I'll have a water birth, you know? So I think that helps me mentally not be set
1: on certain things. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. What happens when you've desired and planned for a home birth for a decade, but then you're faced with a long, intense, exhausting labor? How do you cope with what you've wanted, yet what you're experiencing? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 127 of the Happy Home Birth podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Caitlin Ackerman, who met her midwife in her high school health class. She's experienced two vastly different births, and she's going to share them both with us today. Caitlin's stories show the two extremes of labor, so you know there will be so much to glean from this one. Let's take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week. I love podcasts, RRKKRR, who writes, great for all expecting parents. This is a fantastic podcast and goes through lots of different pregnancy and labor birth stories. Very empowering and educational at the same time. Thanks so much, I Love Podcasts, i I'd love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker, so email me at Caitlin at MyHappyHomeBirth.com. And of course, if you're loving the show, would you go show some love on Apple Podcasts? It's a free, relatively easy way to support the mission behind Happy Home Birth and get this show into the ears of the mothers who need it. And finally, before we jump in, here's something really exciting. This episode was sponsored by Baby Trend and the Cover Me 4 in 1 convertible car seat. Now, I opted to skip the newborn car seat with my second daughter, and this car seat is so unique in that it addresses the number one complaint by experienced mothers sun in your baby's eyes. The CoverMe Seat is able to do this with its integrated canopy that offers height adjustability, ratcheting coverage, and side sun protection. The Cover Me has a usage rating from 4 to 100 pounds, so you can install it for your infant and adjust it as your child grows from rear-facing to forward-facing all the way up to belt-positioning booster. It's got a recline system that allows your child to find a comfortable position and it's designed to take up a limited amount of space, even in the rear facing position. And it's got some super cool features that help make life easier for mom and kiddo, including a no twist harness indicator, a no rethread harness and a comfort cabin, which is its multi-layered padding system, letting your baby or child feel snug and secure. So go to babytrend.com forward slash ossa, that's O-S-S-A, and use the code COVERME20 for your new convertible car seat and 20% off. All right, let's jump in. Please remember the opinions of my guest may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and the show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am thrilled to have you, and I'm so excited to hear about your story. Before we jump into it, would you just take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, so my name is Caitlin
0: Ackerman, and my husband and I make maple syrup on our land in Vermont, and we travel the country selling it, actually. So we do farmer's markets in Florida and Boston and are planning a road trip out west actually, to sell it on the road. So that's pretty much what we do.
1: That is the coolest business model (laughs) that I can imagine. How cool is that?
0: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I actually have some syrup heating up right
1: now so I can go bottle it after this interview. So (laughs) Very nice. Okay, so you guys are, so you're not stationary. You are in Vermont, but you're also kind of all over the place.
0: Yeah, so we're more stationary now that we have kids, but we definitely aren't here full, like year round. Exactly. We uh, like to be on the go. We like to have our lives a little crazy. Um, so it definitely fits our, our lifestyle for sure.
1: I had a friend, um, and I, I love this. She just said, you know, I parent better outside of the house. Like, mm. I parent better in different places. I thought that was such a fascinating, kind of insightful little key. Yeah, um, and Vermont is
0: so... I don't know. Like, we want our kids to see so many more cultures and everything, mm-hmm. you know. So we love being on the go and seeing
1: things like that. It's pretty cool. Right. That makes sense. So, let's talk about how you ended up choosing to have a home birth. This was not an like a very flippant quick decision. This was a <laughs> long time coming, right?
0: It was. Yeah. So, I think my journey toward it definitely started when I was like five years old. Um, My mom had a book called A Child is Born. And I would just read it all the time. I would bring it to school with me. I'd bring it on car rides. And it's kind of funny because my family isn't very Birth oriented. My mom had just your run of the mill hospital births back in the '90s, and um, and I, I remember telling people that I wanted to be a baby doctor when I was that age. And I didn't even know what a midwife was at that point. I just knew that I loved birth, which is kind of funny. Um, and in, in high school, my best friend's mom had home births, so I I knew it was a thing, and I saw all of her pictures and everything, <laughs> and. Uh, so I I but I wasn't really convinced that I wanted one yet um until my in health class in high school my health teacher for some reason had a midwife come and speak to our class because I guess wow. that's what you do in Vermont was is have a midwife come speak to 16 year olds and um I just remember like her the air about her was so nurturing and calm and amazing and I was just like I want this woman to be my midwife someday. Wow. Um, so I pretty much at that point kind of dove into everything birth. Um, I was about 16 years old and I started just doing tons of research and watching tons of birth videos. And when I was in college, I was in a women's and gender studies class, and they showed the business of being born. And that pretty much took me from 99% sure I was going to have a home birth to 100% sure I was going to have a home birth. Um, So I think that's how it started. It's kind of a long, long time
1: coming. Yeah, it sounds like it. And so what happened once you met your husband? Was he immediately gung-ho with this idea?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so we met when I was 17 and I pretty much told him right <laughs> you know, from the start. That's
1: right I met the midwife.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. He knew right from the start that I was gonna have home births. And he even actually did some he built a stone wall for her and told her, like when I was like, I think I was 21 at the time, he was like, Yeah, someday my wife wants you or my girlfriend at the time wants you to be her midwife. And she's like, Cool, call me when you're ready.
1: <laughs> oh wow, that is so cool. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. So, so yes, check. He was on board.
0: (laughs) Yep. He was on board. Um, he, I actually had him watch the business of being born as well. When we started, I think I was pregnant actually just to make sure that he was like, okay, this is the, this is the, the life changing documentary that, you know, just changed how I thought about everything. Um, and after he saw that, he was like, wow, like, this is why, this is why we're going to do this. And he was 100% on board at that Mm
1: -hmm. point too. So So, so fast forward to you becoming pregnant. What was that journey like? Yeah. So,
0: so I spent years and years, I, um, doing research. Um, I'm a huge information person and I love doing research on things and knowing things and I really started diving into the, the maternal health care system in the United States and realizing how many, how it's, I guess, There is so much liability that goes into it and the threat of being sued that it kind of changes the outcomes of things, which is so unfortunate. And I knew I wanted to avoid that. So right around the time we got married, I was 24 and I was watching my birth videos and my husband was watching TV and this commercial of a woman in labor comes on I think it was like a Johnson and Johnson commercial and I'm watching this YouTube video a woman in labor at the same exact time and he just turns to me and he's like so do you want to try having a getting pregnant having a baby (laughs) and I was like "Uh, sure so that was kind of how we started our conversation about actually trying (laughs) I love that and uh, I was So at the time we were on like huge, everything had to be planned between our, we wanted to have a baby, like exactly at the month between our farmer's markets in Boston ended. And then our markets in Florida started. And so I used an ovulation kit to get pregnant, like two weeks after I got off my birth control. Wow. And I know it's so like hardcore planning, which is a kind of a bummer. You know, I wish that we would be a little bit more like, Oh, go with the flow, see what happens type thing. But it just wasn't what we could do with at that point. We needed to make sure we were in Vermont to have this baby. And so I was really, it happened so quickly that I was really kind of, uh, I didn't feel ready. I was, We'd, I was hoping it would take a couple of months just so that it would, I would, would prepare myself a little more, which is so annoying to say because so many people have huge fertility issues. Um, But I just felt like, oh man, this is happening. Like all of a sudden we, we decided and now I'm pregnant and this is happening.
1: Right. It's very um, fast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, but I was so excited to finally get to call. Bonnie, the midwife that I had wanted for eight years at that point <laughs> yeah. and to get that process started. So it was, I was so excited and I called her, I was like six weeks pregnant and I called her right up and um, I was in Florida for that. My husband actually came home to start making maple syrup earlier. And then I stayed in Florida a couple months doing farmer's markets. So I was in Florida by myself for the first couple months. And actually the first person I told that I was pregnant, I was like I had just thrown up on the side of the road and I was at a gas station. It was kind of funny. It was just like the cashier at the gas station. <laughs> but, um, so we, we got back to Vermont and I got back to Vermont and we started our prenatal appointments and Bonnie had a, um, a midwife partner, Aaron, and I just loved her equally as much as Bonnie. It was just the most amazing thing to have mid- to have midwifery care just, you know, every test that came up, they would tell us the pros and cons and we get to decide. And for our gestational diabetes is like one of my favorite things instead of, I really didn't want to do the sugary drink because I only use maple syrup. I don't use white sugar Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to get my blood drawn at all. (laughs) And so we decided that we would just eat a pancake breakfast with the correct number of Carbs of maple syrup, and I would prick my finger a few times, and just things like that, the alternative ways of doing things that weren't so invasive. I that just is really the best. It.
1: We obviously had to use maple syrup for our cups. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, love we, that.
0: <laughs> we make 5,000 gallons a year, so we have some to spare.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a little leftover.
0: <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, and I. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed being pregnant, even though I was really nervous about how it was. You know, I I don't like change. I'm not a huge person that likes change. So I was kind of scared how having a baby would change things. But of course, it always ends up completely fine. Right. Um. When I was around six months pregnant, I did have a real like some serious back pain where I couldn't even stand up straight for about six weeks. Um, and so I went to the chiropractor and I don't know if the baby was just on a nerve or something and pressing on something. Um, but that was, I get to be the the point where I just was like, I don't think I ever want to have a baby again because it was so horrible, but thankfully it went away and I didn't have it with my second pregnancy,
1: but that was really the
0: hardest part during my pregnancy was just that, that six week period.
1: Um, that sounds really difficult. So you were basically bedridden
0: for six weeks. No, I was actually doing farmer's markets still. I did five oh, markets a week um, and I would just be like leaned over on the table trying to sell maple syrup because I couldn't stand up straight.
1: You seemed like a really intense saleswoman. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buy my maple syrup.
0: <laughs> oh man. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. Oh gosh. Um, I'm yeah, so fast forward to the end of my pregnancy, I was actually... Do like 10 days before my best friend got married and I was supposed to be her maid of honor Mm -hmm. and I was really nervous about missing her wedding just because it's such a big thing and you want to be there for your friend you know um so we ended up not doing anything to speed the labor up at that point um And because I wanted to make sure that I was there, I was like, I don't care if I'm overdue. I just don't want to have like a one day old baby and not be able to go. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So we decided to not really do any sort of sweep membrane sweeping or anything until after the wedding. And Mm -hmm. thankfully I made it. Um, and it was so funny being at the wedding because people would be like, when, when are you due? And I would say 10 days ago, (laughs) (laughs) and they would just be like shocked because, and, and it was amazing how many people were like, wow, you need to be induced. This baby's Mm going to be gigantic. You need a C-section. Like so many people just had never heard of some, somebody going
1: overdue like that. Um, and it, it was crazy thing that that is just like these due dates that we've you know kind of made up like yeah. those are so important in people's minds like oh my gosh you're past your made up due date well what are we going to do
0: <laughs> i know and just the people being tr- like actually scared for me that i was going to have mm-hmm. this 11 pound baby that my body couldn't handle not saying that people can't have 11 pound babies but um right. you know just like yeah, it was just, it was totally, it was very shocking to me. Um, so thankfully made it to the wedding. I was 10 days overdue. We danced the night away. And then the next day we decided to get my membrane sweep to try to get things going, uh, swept, sorry. And um, so, and getting my membrane swept was like the culmination of midwifery care for me. Just like everything was building up to this moment. And it was amazing going to her house and she put a towel down on her bed and I just lay there and she did, you know, it wasn't this sterile, cold environment. Um, and I just loved it. I was like, this is what it's supposed to be like, but it was also kind of funny because I had really become friends with my midwives. And so when it got to that point of, okay, you're going to see me naked now was a little like, ah, I don't want my friends to see me naked. <laughs> right. Is so she's like just remember this is what I do for a living like I've seen 1200 women naked um, yeah. <laughs> so so uh so yeah I, I had lost a lot of sleep that week leading up to the birth because of my friend's wedding um so I was just kind of overtired and I really didn't sleep that night after that happened and so at like two o'clock in the morning, I was really anxious and I was never the, I was never one to want to wish my pregnancy was over. And I never felt like I was just ready for it to be done. And I was just really enjoying every moment I had with my husband, just the two of us. And uh, so we, So that night I was lying in bed awake, staring at the ceiling until two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Caitlin, you need to get sleep because you were going to have this baby like any second now. And so I ended up getting up and taking a Tylenol PM that my midwife had given me so that I could just get some sleep. Mm -hmm. And then at three, one hour later, I went into labor. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kicked my labor off in a really exhausted way. Like I wasn't in the mindset for it. Um, And I felt really, really prepared to have, like give birth at home. Like I'd never felt scared. I felt really mentally prepared, Um, but I just wasn't expecting to have a long labor. And that's one thing that I wish the one thing that I wish had been different was that my midwives had told me like, you are so strong. You're just going to push this baby right out. You're going to have a straightforward birth, you know? And mm-hmm. that kind of set me up to feel like I was going to have a quick labor mm-hmm. when I wish that I had prepared myself for a long first labor because I mm-hmm. would have been able to mentally handle it a little bit better. Right. Um,
1: That's a great point.
0: Yeah. And, and like, I know my midwives were definitely doing it just to like amp me up for it, you know? And,
1: Oh Yeah. It, and, well, just, and they know you like, I mean, they know like, oh, she's going to handle labor well, whatever yeah. that is like, ah, oh, you're going to, you're going to do great. You know, yeah. like the pat on the back, but I totally see like, oh, I probably should have prepared for the long game. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. So
0: I, I started off the labor. I, I laid in bed by myself for like an hour, hour and a half without waking my husband up, just kind of like having contractions. And I knew at that point that I was in labor, but they were still mild enough that I could be lying down. And then my husband like rolls over and he says, Oh, I just want the baby to be here. And it's like four 30 in the morning. And I tell him that, well, I'm in labor. So (laughs) and he was so excited. He like, was like, what can I do? And trying to like, yeah, You know, it was just so cute because he just wanted to help in any way he could. And so I told him that it might be a good idea to get their birth pool set up. So we had rented a birth pool from the midwives and it was one that had like an element in it to heat, to keep the water hot. So you didn't have to keep filling it with water. So. Well, he started setting that up, but it was missing a piece to like hold the whole thing together. And so I'm like in labor. And the next thing I know, my husband is tearing down the driveway on the four wheeler, <laughs> going down to the sugar house to find a piece of something to hold this pool together. And, uh, so he comes back and kind of hob the pool together with some wire and a sweatshirt. And, um, he, then accidentally fills the birth pool with water from the hot water heater that he thought he had drained the sediment out of, but didn't completely get the sediment out of it. Mm-hmm. So it like filled the birth pool with sedimenty water from the hot water tank.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that I'm pretty. I much- say that actually happened at my birth too, but it was <laughs> dark and we didn't really realize it. So my poor child. <laughs>
0: It's just some hard, hard iron or whatever. <laughs> fine, <I> guess. <laughs> oh, so we ended up not using the tub at all, but it was fine. Like I just used our bathtub in our bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny. I, one thing going into these births was that I wanted to be prepared for everything, but then not be set on anything. You know, a lot that. of people would ask me like, Oh, are you having going to have a water birth? I would say, well, I'm going to have a pool and a tub. And if I happen to give birth in the water, then <laughs> yep, I'll have a water birth, you know? So I think that helps me mentally not be set on certain things mm-hmm. about the labor and just kind of go with
1: the flow. Um, yeah. I may use that. I'm mean, gonna use that quote forever. <laughs> She's prepared for everything, but not set on anything. That was so, and that's such a smart way to consider what's about to happen. Yeah,
0: thank you. I I definitely like to prepare myself in that way on pretty much everything. So I it makes me a little more calm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, so another thing I wasn't prepared for was starting to throw up so early on in labor. Um, I started throwing up around five in the morning, um, after I'd been in labor for about two hours and I don't know if it was just a combination of being tired and that the contractions were pretty intense. They started off at four minutes apart for a minute long, um, each one. And I was definitely expecting contractions to start off like 20 minutes apart and I would watch Like TV in between or play a card game or something. And I definitely couldn't have done that. They were just really intense right from the start. Um, And so I ended up getting in the tub and labored in the tub until one o'clock in the afternoon. So it was like eight hours of me (laughs) sitting in the tub. And I just remember like, I would have a contraction and I would be so hot that Ian would be like putting like a cold washcloth on my forehead. And then when the contraction would go away, I would be so cold. I would be shaking. And so I ended up getting out of the tub after that eight hours because I, my body couldn't regulate itself in the water,
1: mm.
0: which um, was interesting too, because so many women talk about how the water is just like this amazing thing for them. But for me, it just wasn't working with my body for some reason.
1: Right. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it definitely sounds like your hormones during your labor were just like really, you know, intense with the throwing up with the body temperature regulation, like that all, you know, it sounds like, wow, her hormones were, were really working over time to try to find balance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And I was 40, I was 41 weeks and six days when I went into labor. So I definitely like I don't know like if that has to do with it just being so like not so far along but further along. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um and so I had my midwife come at one o'clock to see how far along I was because at that point I was like I need to just know if this if I'm two centimeters dilated or <laughs> right. and I think that was a, you know I I thought at that point, because if I knew how far along I was, dilation wise, I would be able to judge how much further I had to go. That was a big mistake on my part. And my my sister in law had like an eight or nine hour birth, and I was eight out, or I was ten hours into it at that point. So I was like, oh yeah, like I only have a couple hours left to go, you know. I could totally do this for a couple more hours, um, and it just didn't work that way. I, at that point, I think I was uh, six centimeters dilated, and so I was like, "Okay, like this is it's going along pretty good." And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I just labored and labored and labored for hours and hours and hours, and my midwife recommended I get out of the tub and walk up and down the stairs, um, and like rotate on the ball and just try to get the baby's head down, like, or, you know, oh. get dilated further. And so I did, I just, it felt like I was walking forever, just mm-hmm. trying to get further along in this labor.
1: So do you um, think, or did your midwife say, you know, your baby was still kind of high up in the pelvis?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Just she had me do lots of different positions to try to get the baby dropping lower. Um, Yep. And so that just went on for a long, long time. But at one point, it was another just amazing part of midwifery care like they were downstairs cooking eggs. and hollering up the stairs like you're doing great Caitlin (laughs) sounds amazing you know and Ian and I are upstairs just laboring by ourselves and I was just like looking back I just loved that moment that they Mm -hmm. just felt at home in our house and we're cooking eggs and laughing downstairs and Ian and I were upstairs by ourselves but I really really enjoyed that so I probably about five o'clock I was like getting really really tired yeah, five o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. I had been in labor for like 14 hours at that point and I was like when is this going to end this is so intense my contractions never got closer together they were four minutes apart and one minute long basically the entire time I was in labor mm-hmm. and I was just, I think the lack of the change on that aspect was like mentally draining as well. Um, and so at, and right around that time, they actually heard that the baby had a heart arrhythmia Mm. and, um, So they, they like listened to it without letting us know for a couple hours, just to see if it went away. And they consulted a a doctor Mm -hmm. as well at one of the hospitals nearby. And, uh, they told us about it at about seven o'clock at that night. Um, and that they're, I think from what I can remember, they basically said like, it might not be a big deal. It's probably not a big deal, but if it is a big deal, then we'll have to transfer to the hospital type Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Yeah, so we decided that we would wait 15 minutes, um, and if the heart arrhythmia was still there, we would go to the hospital, and if it was gone, then we would um, stay at home and continue to labor at home, and uh, at that point, I was so exhausted, and I had been throwing up this entire time. I couldn't keep anything down. They were, like, spoon-feeding me maple cream to try to give me energy, and... I, I was just so weak and exhausted and I was like, when they said that he had a heart rhythm and that we might need to go to the hospital, part of me was like, Oh, I, it's going to be over soon. If we go to the hospital, I can get an epidural and go to sleep. Cause that's all I wanted to do. Um, so we waited the 15 minutes and they checked it and miraculously it was gone.
1: Wow. <laughs> it had been there like for a long time, long enough for them to consult, you know, a a doctor long enough for them to like really consider it and listen to it. And then you give it a timeline and it just goes away.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it was amazing. I mean, I I'm so incredibly grateful that it it went away Mm. and I, and I'm so happy that my baby was safe. And then at the same time, I'm like, okay, I don't have, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go to the
1: hospital now. I'm no, not going okay. to sleep. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. That's, you know, what's so interesting about that though, is I feel like I have seen it so many times. Like my midwife would say like, you know, okay, we've got to, you know, this has to change in this amount of time, like, you know, like, or else we're probably going to need to transport. We're going to, and then it's like, sometimes a baby just needs to be like, like, told, hey, you yeah. better get it together.
0: And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> I could totally see that. Yeah. And so I remember just saying, like, I want to go to the hospital, telling my husband, like, I'm over this. I want this to be done. I don't want to go through this anymore. This is so, so hard. And he just looked at me and he said, I am not letting you give up. You told me that you would get to this point, and you told me not to let you give up on your dream of having a home birth. And let's just take it one hour at a time. Mm. Um, And, you know, I'm so thankful that he did that because I think every whim- woman gets to that point where they are over it and they need that guidance to help them through if that's what they really want. And I'm actually in the process of getting my doula certification right now, which I'm super excited about. And mm. a lot of it, talks about a lot of the book that I'm reading talks about like helping the woman get to her rhythm again. And she might stray from that, but it's the doula's job or the partner's job to get them centered again and help them find that rhythm again. And that there is a difference between labor is hard and that the woman is suffering. Right. I was not suffering. I was at the point I was at the wall where it was incredibly hard, and I was ready to, it, for it to be over, but I wasn't suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that he he talked me through that and got me back to where I needed to be.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. It sounded like you really did just need that strength of a reminder, like, "Hey, this is what you wanted, and this is what you have wanted since you were 16." <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> oh. Exactly. And so I. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And he's, so we took it one hour at a time. And at one point at like 1030, I had fallen asleep in between contractions. So I would sleep for like three minutes in between. Um, and I did that for about an hour. And at 1130, I like opened my eyes and I was like, Caitlin, you have to get out of this bed and start moving, or this baby is going to be in you forever, Mm -hmm. or you're going to end up at the hospital. You know, there's, you have to get up. And it was the hardest mentally, <laughs> the mentally hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life was to drag myself off of that bed and start walking up and down the stairs again.
1: Wow. And yeah. That's interesting that you knew though. Yeah.
0: I, I was just like, I knew that movement was key mm-hmm. to getting this baby down who felt like he was stalled inside me for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, So I walked up and down the stairs, and I walked around, and um, at midnight, I was 10 centimeters dilated. Finally. (laughs) I felt like I had been pregnant forever, or in labor forever. Mm -hmm. And so the midwives recommended that I get in the shower and just kind of squat down and gently push. And so I did that for like half an hour, um, just trying to get him down. And he just wouldn't budge. And I labored on the toilet and I walked around. And um, finally my midwife came in and I could just tell that there was something different about the way, like she was like, okay, like we need to get this baby out. She wasn't saying this, but I feel like she was thinking it. Like Caitlin is exhausted at this point. Mm -hmm. She's, this has been really a long, hard labor and something needs to change or we need to like take another step. Um, and so she decided that she would check me to see how far along I was, like if she could feel his head, and she checked and the next contraction, and his head was literally right there.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> and
0: I didn't even know it. And so she was like, Okay, let's get this baby out. So I squatted down next to her. my husband, like held me up and I squatted and I pushed him out in like two pushes. Whoa yeah, it was just all of a sudden, like he was there and bam, he was out. And I remember thinking at one point, like, okay, when he starts to crown, like pause so that you don't tear. And everyone was like, push, push, push. And I didn't mentally have the capacity to not push at that point mm-hmm. when somebody was telling me to push. And so I pushed and I ended up tearing, which was a mm-hmm. bummer, but you know, I, um, everyone was just so excited and we were all in it, you know, and. Yeah. So I ended up getting, uh, just like two stitches, but, Mm. um, yeah. And then uh, I was like lying on the bed and he was here finally. Um, and when they weighed him in the little, on the fish scale, I was just like, that was the image that I had envisioned for myself for so many years. And finally it had happened. And I was like, it was just amazing. I just, we talked to Ian and I talked about it for a year after just how incredibly amazing it was. Um, to
1: see that all come to fruition, you know, that's, yeah, and especially after such a long pregnancy, long exhausting labor, you know, what's so interesting is just hearing the similarities of our first labors where I had a very long, like extended prolonged labor. My baby was high up but then, and I don't know if you felt this, but I felt her shift down into my pelvis. It was like a very shocking feeling. And then it was the same, like two pushes and she was out. So crazy how it's like you can go for so long, just like laboring and laboring and laboring. And then all of a sudden it's like boom, okay, here. Like what?
0: Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's funny because I did not feel that that shift of he's mm. in my pelvis. Like like I remember just being like, what? His head is right there? <laughs> that's crazy.
1: <sighs> but that's so
0: yeah. And so he was born with a tongue tie. Mm-hmm. Um, so breastfeeding was really, really painful. And they, my midwife caught it right off, thankfully, um, and was able to clip it because she had taken a class on it or something like that. And her, her son had been born with a tongue tie. And so she checks like every single baby that's born mm-hmm. to make sure and so it was super painful and it was really hard having so many visitors. Like I wish that I had, if I could go back, I would be like, you need to just lock the door yeah, <laughs> and not allow so many people in. Cause it's so exciting for people to come visit a new baby, mm-hmm. but for a mom who's learning to breastfeed, sometimes it can be really hard, especially when there's an issue like a tongue tie. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, he would be crying and people would hand him to me be like oh he wants wants to nurse and I would be like I literally don't know how and I can't and he doesn't latch and like and I would feel this huge pressure um and so when he was a week old I ended up getting mastitis which was horrible I don't know if you ever had that but it's
1: like no, but I and I did have tongue-tied babies but no but I know it's just oh gosh, yeah
0: oh. And so and I didn't I, I just stripped it out. Cause my husband used to be a dairy farmer and that's what they did with mastitis. They just stripped it out. And so I did that to myself. I <laughs> didn't i didn't even know that you would go to the hospital and get antibiotics at the time. Like it's kind of funny to look back on, but I just um, did that. And we actually had moved into a hotel so that Ian could continue doing farmer's markets because we did um, have him when there was like a month of farmer's markets left. And I was just like in the hotel bathroom, like stripping out my mastitis. And How did you do that? I just worked it out like I, I just like kind of like very firmly, very firmly. It was painful. Um, I did that for like three days and then it went away. Wow. Um, and I think I had a pretty mild case of it. Um, so. I'm sure that wouldn't work
1: for every woman, but uh, I mean, it it sounds like you caught it relatively early too. Yeah.
0: Yep. I did. Definitely.
1: So, so yeah, but it took
0: me like a solid year to really want to do that again. I, it was really mentally exhausting, just labor in general. And it showed, it really shows you how strong you can be and how you it shows you another part of yourself to be in the depths of labor for for any extended or any period of time, no matter how long. I think every woman reaches that point and i I reached it, and i i uh, I think it will definitely help me going forward being a doula, no, oh, yeah that. Oh, yeah. so. I, uh, so about a year and a half later, we decided to start trying for our second and that was about the time that your podcast came out. So (sighs) I was doing woods work in our sugar woods, listening to your podcast constantly. And I really focused on that part of my prenatal care was listening to so many positive podcasts and I didn't weigh myself at all um throughout my entire pregnancy i didn't want to know how much i gained and i did fewer fewer tests <laughs> i just i wanted to go a more natural even though the first one was pretty natural but the mm-hmm. second one i just wanted to be even more just low key pregnancy yeah i um, love that so when i um when i was like 8 months pregnant the pandemic hit of course mm-hmm. So we started doing just telephone calls for our appointments uh, with midwives. And um, that was interesting. Like, we didn't know how careful to be, how bad this pandemic was going to be. You know, it was so early on that we didn't know anything about it. And so we really, really didn't want to have to go to a hospital at this point because we didn't want to expose ourselves to anything. Right. Right. Um, so
1: how did that feel, by the way? Like, you know, especially the fact that it happened right at the very end of your pregnancy, like right when there's like this huge influx of, whoa, we've got a problem, but we don't know anything about it. <laughs> like, what was that processing like for you?
0: So, thankfully, it wasn't. I, I felt really confident in our midwives and having a home birth. Um, and I, because of those reasons, it didn't scare me as much as it could have. I have had a lot of women who were pregnant around the same time reach out to me about home births actually, because they were had been planning on a hospital birth and they were scared to go into a hospital at that point. And so that was kind of interesting to be, you know, someone who was telling my story to a lot of people because right. of that reason, like you would never think that that would happen. Um, but I felt confident in being in Vermont where there were very few cases anyway. And we live in the middle of the woods, basically. Like there are we can we can isolate ourselves if we need to. So because of those reasons, I I was oh I didn't I wasn't too scared. That's great. Yeah. Um, but I was really pregnant during sugaring season last year. That's when we make all the maple syrup for the whole year in like March mm-hmm. and April. And so because I was so pregnant, I, it really hindered what I could do physically. And I'm definitely not, I'm extremely strong willed person. And I don't like being told that I can't do something. And I don't like mentally wanting to do something and physically not being able to. Right. So I ended up tearing um, my abs quite a bit because I lifted things that were way too heavy and, you know, uh, syrup barrel, 55 gallon drums full of maple syrup that I was moving around and stuff like that. And so I had to rely on my husband and my brother-in-law quite a bit for things. And that was really mentally challenging for me also, just to be like, I have to not do this because I'm going to hurt myself. So can you help me? And that right. took a little bit. My sister-in-law ended up telling me like, your number one job is to keep you and your baby safe. Like you need to just chill.
1: <laughs> so, oh, but it's so hard. It <laughs> when, is. When that's your personality, especially. It's like, oh, I hear you, but yeah, these drums look like they could use some rearranging. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I ended up hurting myself, which was a bummer. Um, and I finally, Ian was like, okay, you can like, we will do all of the heavy lifting from now on, please don't do anything. And so, so yeah, sugaring ended thankfully before, like a week before we had our second baby and because I was kind of nervous that I was going to have him in the middle of it and Ian was going to be like having to run down to the sugar house to be boiling our maple syrup or our sap and making syrup and I would be in the house laboring or something right. so it ended and it was just like this huge relief to be done that and just on to the next focusing on having this baby um, and and so I and I really cherished every moment I had with my firstborn too I just I was like I was so sad that he wasn't going to be an only child anymore but I knew that having a sibling would be so fun for him Mm -hmm. and so we tried it we really didn't want to go to the hospital so my midwives um, they swept my membranes a couple times they trying to get me into labor because I went long again, which we just mm-hmm. have decided that that's how long I go in labor is or in um, pregnancy is 42 weeks. That's like mm-hmm. my, my thing, I guess. Yep. And so I, I like in my 40, I was like 41 in a few days, they swept my membranes for the first time and that didn't do anything. So a couple days later, they did it again. I didn't do anything. And so we decided to do some castor oil. <laughs> And it wasn't that bad actually. They gave me this awesome recipe that it's like almond butter, pear juice, um, and then castor oil and something else. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't really used champagne in it. I know.
1: It's yeah. Like almond butter and champagne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's funny. I'd never heard of the champagne. I've heard of mm. orange juice, but I'm like, oh, that's way too acidic. Um, so yeah, so that uh I don't know. I took that. And then I, um, the next day I went into labor, but so I don't really, it probably all uh, contributed somehow, but Mm -hmm. so that night, the night before I went into labor, my husband and I decided that we were going to go on like this amazing, long, intense walk. So we walked through the woods from his grandmother's house (laughs) down to my parents' house that live like a mile down the hill. And we went down the river and I was jumping over all of these logs and rocks and everything. And, um, when we got to the bottom, I just was so tired. I was like, wow, that's really intense. And my son was at my parents' house. So we, our plan was to pick him up there and then we left the car there and then we would drive home. And so when we get to the bottom, I was just like, so exhausted. My body just knew that I needed to go home. And usually we're like the last people to leave anywhere. We love talking. We love hanging out, but I was just like, we just need to go home so I can go to sleep. And so we left pretty early. And that night I put my son to bed and I just like snuggled with him. Cause I knew it was going to be one of the last times that it would just be him. And it was really nice. And then I woke up at like 1130 that night and. I went to my own bed. I, I felt like I went back to my bed. Um, Like a half an hour later, I didn't really fall back asleep, but like half an hour later, I started to feel some contractions right around midnight, like 12, 15. And so I got up and I just like went and sat on the toilet for a little while, like 20 minutes probably. Um, And they got to be intense enough that I was like, okay, I better wake up Ian. And so I woke him up and... He came into the bathroom with me and I just labored on the the toilet and he started timing the contractions and they got really intense, really fast. Like I was really expecting to have another long labor and I, it was really emotional for me to get close to giving birth again, because the first time was so mentally hard for me that I was really prepared for another long one. Right. Um, and so Ian was like, do you want me to call the midwives? And I said, Oh no, let them sleep. It's going to be another long labor. Like it'll be fine. We'll just wait a few hours. And so the contractions went from like three minutes apart. And then the next contraction would be two minutes apart. And then the next contraction went to one minute apart. Mm. (laughs) And I was like having to get up and squat like I was squatting every time I had had a contraction and then I would get back on the toilet between and Ian was like uh yeah these are way too close together we need to call and so he called Bonnie and Aaron and they said oh well you know it's probably not going to be anything just call us back in a little while like it's really uncommon for it to start out this quick and so I said okay like we'll keep you posted And then like 10 minutes later, he called him back again. and was like, no, you need to get here now. (laughs) So at that point, you know, with my first labor, I had on a bra and I was like, so I was very like, kind of, I don't know, wanting to be like dainty and pretty in labor. And this time I just ripped off all my clothes. I was like, I literally cannot have one single thing touching me right now. It Mm -hmm. was just like, a train was running (laughs) through me. Yes. And so I was like, every time I squatted, I was like pushing all of a sudden. And I had, it would have been about an hour and a half since contractions started. And so Ian called the midwives again and was like, she's pushing and she's in the same position that she had Blake, our firstborn." And they were like, okay, get her on her left side, like immediately. So and they're like, try not to push. So I went and I laid down on the couch on my left side, try to slow things down. And it was not slowing down and they were on their way. And I like reached inside to feel, and I felt his head like three inches up. And I was like, Ian, he is coming. And so Ian is like frantically trying to set up the camera, the video camera. Cause I told him I really wanted a video this time. And he's like, can I turn on the light? And I was like, no, <laughs> not nothing.
1: <laughs> How dare <laughs>
0: Nothing can change about this situation. Everything has to stay the same. And so, um, so the video is just like me groaning and moaning mm-hmm. in complete darkness. It's kind of funny, <laughs> but so, uh, so, and then I had another contraction and his head was two inches down mm-hmm. and then I had another, and his head was one inch down. And I was like, Ian, next push, his head is coming out. And it was funny, like I physically could not hold my leg up. I don't know if that, if something happens with your bones inside your pelvis, when you're in labor, if they like, it felt like my leg was dislocated.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if that's a thing or
1: not, but I, I mean, was, like, if a head is right there, pushing yeah. out, out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was like, Ian, you need to lift up my leg. His head is coming out and I can't lift up my leg <laughs> and
1: I can't do it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> And so he like lifted up my leg and his head popped out mm-hmm. as the midwives were like running up the stairs. Um and so they made it shockingly. <laughs> um it was 2 hours from start to finish my second labor. Oh. Um and so his head came out and I actually just rewatched the video. I could like hear what was going on this morning. I was I was watching it so I could tell you but it, his head was out for like 2 minutes. Um and I was just waiting for the next contraction to come to like push him out and it just never came. And so they ended up telling me like, okay. And like time to push it him out. And so his, his, the cord was wrapped around his neck, which was kind of holding him back, I think. And mm-hmm. so they unwrapped it and he came out and he was really, really limp. Um, and pretty, he like hadn't, didn't pink up. And so they were like rubbing him. It took about seven minutes of rubbing him and giving him air, mm-hmm. um, before he kind of came around and, yeah so that I think it was just the crazy how fast it was or something. I don't really know, but it was. Yeah. That's
1: intense. I mean, that's a big shock for you and for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, and I had 100% confidence in my midwives. I knew that they were incredibly skilled and trained and that he would come around and I, 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 really never worried about it, but I know that in some situations that could have been scary. Um, But he ended up coming around and it was perfectly fine. Um, And he like latched right away. It was like night and day difference between what I went through with my first and what I went through with my second. I just felt so prepared. I knew what I was doing. And it was just like a, like kind of a redemption birth. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just... And immediately after I was like, the next day I was like, okay, so the third time we do this, that blah, 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 blah. Whereas my first, it took me a year to even consider having another baby. Right. So even though it was incredibly fast and incredibly intense for those two hours, mentally, it was much better than, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: than my first. So
1: I think I have like, I don't know, this is just my theory and I'm sure it's different for every mother, but Being the same way where I had a very long labor and then went to a very short labor, I honestly think that having that, having had and experienced the long labor first kind of helps you deal with or appreciate a shorter labor the next time. Because if you just have a one off short labor after you've had like, you know, kind of like a normal length labor, that can be kind of like almost disturbing. (laughs) <laughs> but if you've, had, if you've had a crazy long labor and then go to a short labor, I wonder if it's for some people, it's more like, all right, well, I'll take it. Like, okay.
0: <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was really good. And I'm just so excited to become a doula and help other women go through these same experiences that yeah. I had and just be there emotionally for
1: them. The fact that you've experienced both end of the spectrum is going to be so helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that it'll be really good. And I'm super excited. I, I can't wait.
1: Oh, Caitlin, these stories are amazing. And it's so Nice to just hear you outside at your farm with little <laughs> birds tweeting and talking about your sweet family. This has been such an enjoyable conversation. I just can't thank you enough for coming on the show, for listening for so long. It sounds like you've been a long time <laughs> listener. <laughs> I have been. <laughs> awesome. It's so great to connect.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, It's been a blast. Thanks for coming
0: on. <laughs> Thanks.
1: If you're in Vermont, you're definitely going to want to hire Caitlin to be your doula, right? She's experienced so much and she is so insightful. In today's episode roundup, I'd love to discuss a few of the aspects she so brilliantly brought up. First, it was so much fun hearing how Caitlin and her midwives chose to replace the traditional glucose test with a maple syrup test. Talk about individuality of care. And that's what I love and what I bet you love too about the midwives model. This is your pregnancy, your birth, and your baby. In the ideal midwife-client relationship, you make the decisions and your midwives support you. They tailor their care to you. I love that Caitlin felt empowered in her second pregnancy to do even less testing and to be more low-key. Not because there's anything wrong with wanting testing. If you do, that's great. But because she clearly felt the confidence and power to choose for herself And that's what I want for all of you. Second, favorite quote award goes to, I wanted to be prepared for everything, but not set on anything. And this, this is why Caitlin is going to make such an incredible birth worker. This is wisdom, my friends. Take note of it. Rigidity in birth can be cause for dashed dreams and sadness, even when everything goes right to the outside world. This concept of being prepared for it all, but being accepting of what's to come, this is it. This is what it's all about. If you can adopt this frame of mind, you can give your birth the credit it is due, no matter how it unfolds. That's not to say that you have to think that it was perfect when it was hard. Obviously, Caitlin is a great example of that. But I feel strongly that this attitude can greatly cut down on the feelings of, my birth wasn't good enough because... Thank you, Caitlin, for putting it so eloquently. And I want to bring up what Caitlin mentioned about her postpartum. It was hard having visitors. Gosh, it can be so tough turning people away, especially with your first baby. You're proud and you know your well-meaning friends and family want to see this sweet new life. But when you're in the throes of learning your newborn and learning the skill of breastfeeding, it can be all too much. Inside of Happy Home Birth Academy, we talk about this in depth, setting those boundaries prenatally so that you already have a plan to stick to postpartum. I was the same as Caitlin. It took me learning through experience the importance of being alone as a family in those first special days and weeks. I pray you can learn through our experiences, those of you who are preparing for your first and set the boundaries the first time. You will not regret it. And finally, let's end on the reminder that sometimes things go wrong, even at home. Caitlin's second son took seven minutes to really perk up and come around after birth, but Caitlin, when sharing this part of the story, was calm. She was calm in the moment and felt confident in her team. This speaks to two things. Number one, the fact that midwives are skilled workers and have the necessary techniques to handle these types of situations. And number two, Caitlin did a wonderful job at selecting her midwives, women she trusted and had great confidence in. This is so important. Not every midwife is for you, and it's important to feel confident in both your midwife's skills and demeanor. Okay, my friends, what a beautiful episode. I'm going to go finish my coffee with maple syrup, and that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode.